0: I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. How's it going, people? Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna live here on the Chronicles of Aguna YouTube channel. If you're a podcast listener, welcome as well. Welcome to everyone. I'm in a delightful mood. Arsenal have beaten Liverpool at Emirates Stadium to continue their excellent run of form and to return back to the top of the Premier League after we were momentarily knocked off our perch by Manchester City. What a performance for the most part. Uh, What a result in the end. What an electric atmosphere. Again, the place is buzzing. Everybody is is feeling great in and around the football club. And um, people talked about this as being our biggest test yet. And I certainly think it was not just in terms of what Liverpool are on paper, what Liverpool have been over the last few years, what I expected from Liverpool, but based on what we actually saw as well, because they are a really good side. You have to give them their dues. I know that they're languishing in mid-table at the moment. I know that they're not where they're expected to be. I know that people will say this was the best time to play Liverpool. But when you watch them in the flesh... And you see how physical they are and how dominant they can be and how much quality they have all over the park it makes you even prouder to watch your team go out there keep plugging away keep going being relentless in our desire to win the game and then getting the result that we deserved uh, big hello to everybody in the live chat at the moment i hope you're all good uh, thank you all so so much Uh, for being with me. Thank you to everybody that will watch this back. And of course, to those of you that will listen to this back later on. Great day for me today. Um, I was covering the game for BBC Radio London. Um, It's always great working for them, whatever game they send me to, but it's extra special uh, when they send me to Arsenal. And obviously I was at Arsenal for them earlier in the season to cover the game against Leicester City, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, but there was something about today. You know, it was a big, big game. There was a real buzz. Uh, I was really looking forward to it. Obviously, the access that you get as a member of the media is is really nice as well. And it it just adds to it. You get to be in the press conferences. You get to kind of exchange opinions and views with some of your colleagues as well at half-time and at full-time, which is always nice to do as well. It was, it was a great day overall. Um, nerve-wracking, though. Uh, a lot of the time, uh, difficult a lot of the time. Um, But yeah, uh, delighted. It it means that you get home that little bit later, but that's all good because I got to watch Jurgen Klopp. I got to watch Jurgen Klopp in his press conference pretend um, that he wasn't absolutely livid. And there was just a couple of cracks in some of his answers that suggested that he was. He was particularly unhappy with the decision uh, not to award Liverpool a penalty for Gabriel's handball, uh, which we'll come on to talk about a little bit later Ronnie was frustrated with the award of Arsenal's penalty. We'll be getting into all of that, but we'll be mainly focusing, of course, on our beloved Arsenal, on the mighty Arsenal, the league leaders and the side who put Liverpool uh, to bed. Maybe, just maybe, ended Liverpool's title hopes uh, for good. I know a lot of people have said over the last few weeks that they're out of it anyway, but this might have been that final Nail in the coffin. Uh, let's say a big hello to Harvey, uh, to Matt, uh, to Clock and Seb, who says, 4 a.m. alarm, but this one isn't getting missed. We are top of the league. Hey, dear mate, welcome. Uh, good to see you with us. Big hello to Riddy. Uh, m says, good afternoon, Mitrovic. Mitrovic didn't play for Fulham today. You know why? Because I was at the Emirates. Uh, big hello to Tom, who says, hi, Harry, what a game. Michael says, uh, evening all fantastic to get that hoodoo off our backs. You're absolutely right. That's what was really significant about today's win is that this is a team that, as I talked about in the pre-match show, I felt we had an inferiority complex. Inferiority complex is what I want to say. Um against, you know, I think that as I talked about before, I think the whole you'll never walk alone thing, I think I know this was a home fixture, but I just feel like we made too much of a thing with Liverpool and that maybe. In one way, Mikel Arteta was trying to gain an advantage by doing that, but actually what I think he did, and I said this at the time, I've been very consistent on this, is maybe planted a seed in people's minds, in the players' minds, that Liverpool were this formidable beast. And they have been over the years, so I can understand why somebody would think that. But they're not that now. They're not infallible today. On the 9th of October 2022, this Liverpool side are not infallible. And and, um, you know, it was great, as you say, Michael, to go out there and get that off our backs. You know, when we went to Old Trafford, it was a, a big test, everybody said, and we got beat and the, the press and and the sort of reaction to that was negative in a lot of ways. Same old Arsenal, lots of the ball, lots of possession, but unable to make it count and then ultimately punished for that in the end. When we played Spurs, it was a massive test again in everybody's eyes because we were playing a side who were very effective on the counter-attack, a side that would, enjoy us coming on to them so that they could pick us off, And what did we do? We went and beat them. And then Liverpool, well, that was the big one. And we passed that one as well with flying colours, I'm delighted to say. Uh, let's see what else we've got in the chat. Um, Vlad says, evening, Harry, and all you wonderful Gooners. What a win that was. Get the F in. That was the big one we've all been waiting for. Uh, Pavel asking who I think should be man of the match. We'll come on to that a little bit later on as well. Uh, G Krienki, Sam uh, is with us as well. Femi, uh, Peter, Elliot, Adesola joins us from Chicago. Uh, Nav is here, Daniel Rodriguez. We've got Richie. Uh, We've got James Bond, apparently. Uh, (laughs) We've got so many people in the chat box. I will come back to the chat box a little bit later on. So uh, make sure you stay with us. And uh, when I prompt you, Start throwing some of your questions in there and we'll get through as many of those as we can between now and match of the day kicking off here in the UK. Let's start then. I think the only place to start really is with Mikel Arteta's team selection. Now, Mikel Arteta surprised a few, didn't he, uh, by picking Takahiro Tomiyasu at left-back. The rest of it picked itself. We said that. We all knew um, that that was likely uh, likely to be the case. Um, we all knew that the team, sorry, when I say likely to be the case, I mean, we all knew that most of the team was going to pick itself. But the big debate throughout the week was Tierney Zinchenko. Now, we talked about Zinchenko being a doubt. We knew that Mikel Arteta wasn't giving an awful lot away. But the signs were, given he hadn't trained early on in the week, that he wouldn't make this game. And that was correct. He didn't make the squad. And so you think, well, it's a banker then. Kieran Tierney plays at left back. And to our surprise, Mikel Arteta went with Asu. And um, I was obviously sitting in the ground and and when you get the team news, when you're doing the game for radio, basically what happens is you get the team news, you've literally got a really short window to process that team news and sort of look into it in a bit more detail and think about it and bang, you've got to do a hit on the radio and you've got to give the team news because the idea is that you deliver the team news to the listener as close to you receiving it as possible. And so that was that was what I had to do. And after I did my initial sort of team news hit, um, I sort of sat down and I was thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. Why would Mikel Arteta opt for Tomiyasu at left-back ahead of, I beg your pardon, ahead of Kieran Tierney? And then I started to think about some of the vulnerabilities that we saw in the first half against Spurs. Now, obviously, we weren't punished for that. And obviously... Um, You know, we we came out on top and won the game, but there was a lot of talk throughout the week, wasn't there, about the gaps that we left, about the open spaces that Tottenham uh, failed to make count. And maybe there was a bit of that. Maybe Mikel Arteta looked back at that and thought, yeah, you know what, if we give that type of space and if we give that type of advantage to somebody like Liverpool we certainly uh, will be punished. And, and in particular, Mo Salah, who operates from their right-hand side. The other thing to look at was that Tomiyasu, being a right-footed, predominantly defender, people talk about him being two-footed all the time. Um, yeah, he can play a pass with his left foot. Yeah, he can do the basics with his weaker foot. Um, there's no question about that. But, you know, he... He's predominantly right-footed, and maybe that would suit against the striker or a winger, forward, whatever you want to call Mo Salah, who likes to cut inside, and is at his most dangerous when he does exactly that. Maybe showing him inside isn't so much of a problem if he's running onto your stronger foot as a defender. So I think that's part of the, the reason that Mikel Arteta went for what he went for as well. And let's be honest, he was totally vindicated in that, totally vindicated, because Mo Salah didn't have a sniff. Mo Salah was hooked off. Why Jurgen Klopp? When have you ever seen Liverpool wanting to win a game, hooking off Mo Salah? Why would you hook off Mo Salah unless he was totally ineffective? That's exactly why he was completely ineffective. Because because up against Tomiyasu, he faced a a defender who was uh, just as mobile as him. Not as quick as Mo Salah. I'm I'm not saying that, but was incredibly mobile. He's a very powerful runner. Reads the game beautifully. Doesn't do anything overly complicated with the ball at his feet. And so doesn't really get himself into hot water too often. is, as I say, capable of playing with either foot going either way. And aerially is all over him like a rash. That's what Tommy Yasu brought to the table. And as I say, totally, totally nullified uh, Mohamed Salah. Add to that that we start the game with a goal within 58 seconds and Arsenal are in dreamland. You know, I talk so much at the moment about the importance of Arsenal's fast start. Why, if you're an opponent coming, particularly to Emirates Stadium, you have to make sure that you keep Arsenal quiet for the first 20 or so minutes. I think that's so key in terms of what it does to the atmosphere. It can flatten it a little bit. I said to you guys, you know, sort of after the North London derby, that I felt that sort of just after Spurs had equalised, the atmosphere just went a touch flat. And um, and what happens on the pitch ultimately can impact the atmosphere hugely. You know, I saw some people um, in, in sort of WhatsApp groups that I'm in and, and on Twitter saying the Emirates wasn't as buzzing today as it has been. And I don't think that's necessarily true. I think there were moments in the first half in particular where we were nervous, where we were struggling a little bit, where we were suffering. And as a consequence of that, as a fan, you, you kind of go into your show a little bit. Um, yeah, you want to be vocal all the time. You want to support all the time. But sometimes you can't help that. It happens. And um, and so, you know, it's really important that we get off to fast starts. And Liverpool, you know, they, they'd have talked about it too. In the build-up, they'd have been definitely looking at that. And so to concede within 58 seconds would have really, really frustrated Jurgen Klopp, who, when we spoke to him today in the press conference, said he was very disappointed with Liverpool's overall performance. So the fast start comes about. Arsenal worked the ball really, really well. Um it moves into um, into the middle of the park. Martin Odegaard with a superb pass to slip in Gabriel Martinelli. The weight of the pass is perfect. The angle of the pass is perfect. Then I've seen uh, sort of in my instant reaction video uh, one of our listeners in particular who uh, likes to complain about Martin Odegaard. He's complaining about him today despite the guy setting up a goal within 58 seconds. I mean, you must be a lot of fun at parties, mate. I don't know what to say. Um, but you know, perfectly weighted pass. And then Martinelli gets into that position and Martinelli converts it. Now, you know why we're able to get those overloads in the wide areas? Why Martinelli is able to find that sort of space? Because all of a sudden now when Arsenal attack, you've got people not just attacking through the middle in Gabriel Jesus, but you've got players attacking the half spaces as well in the way that Granit Xhaka does. If you watch that goal back, you'll see Granit Xhaka making a run forward as well. And what happens there is that the centre-back, the full-back, they don't know who to go with. Just that split second of confusion can create you that extra little bit of space. And once the ball was played in, Gabriel Martinelli made no mistake with the finish. Alisson got a slight touch on it, I think with his foot or with his leg, but there was too much on it from Martinelli and it found the back of the net. And the Emirates Stadium erupted. And that's exactly what we wanted. The perfect start. But I did think after we scored the goal, we lost our way a little bit. Now, Is it fair to say that we lost our way or do we have to give praise and credit to this Liverpool side? Because listen, as I said to you right at the top of the show, people will tell you that they're done. People will tell you that they're finished. People will tell you that they don't have it anymore. Actually, that's not true. They have it all. They really, really do. They're going through a difficult period at the moment, but they do have it all. You know, they've got powerful centre-halves that are comfortable on the ball, that were able to beat our press quite easily in the first half, even though I thought the press wasn't necessarily as aggressive as it has been. Maybe that was part of that inferiority complex that I talk about. Maybe we were a bit wary of pressing too aggressively against a side that have been known to pick people off. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we, we started to lose our way a little bit and um Liverpool started to get on the ball more. They started to dictate the ball more, uh, dictate the play, I beg your pardon, dictate the tempo. Um, Thiago Alcantara was getting on the ball in those deep areas as he does and really pulling strings. He was drifting left and doing it uh, quite a bit in the first half as well. And and we really, really struggled. Obviously, Ramsdale was forced into action, had to make a save. William Saliba nearly putting the ball in the back of his own net again. Um when, uh, when a cross came over from Liverpool's right-hand side. Listen, he had to deal with it. He had to do something. Thankfully, he took the sting out of the cross, at least, and made it savable for Aaron Ramsdale down to his left. But we did lose our way, and then we conceded a goal. And it was a really well-worked goal from Liverpool for the most part. Ball dropped over the top. Uh, Diaz had drifted from the left over to the right, put the ball across the six-yard box, and Gabriel couldn't cut it out. And there was Darwin Nunez to finish quite well. And he's had a lot of stick from people. He's had a lot of criticism. I thought he was quite effective today. I thought his runs were good. I thought he was sharp. I thought he was a danger to us um, when he was on the pitch. He was certainly someone I was keeping an eye on. But could Arsenal have done more to prevent that goal? Certainly. Certainly. Um, You know, Darwin Nunez might have been in an offside position. In fact, he was in an offside position. And so subsequently, the goal would have been ruled out had Gabriel not played the ball when it come out of the air. But again, he doesn't know that. He's got to do something, but he's got to deal with it properly and he doesn't. And once he miscalculates the flight of that ball and then doesn't make the contact that he wants, Arsenal are in trouble. And you you know you're in trouble when your centre-halves have to cross over. That's always a big red flag. And what happened was they had to cross over. Saliba has to go out and try and deal with Diaz. And then uh, Gabriel ha- in the middle has to try and deal with the run of Darwin Nunez. And we just got, we just got opened up. We just got pulled apart and and Liverpool were back on level terms. And then I started to fear the worst. I really did because we were misplacing passes. Um, we weren't, we weren't keeping hold of the ball when we were getting it. Uh, you know, periods of possession were very, very short. And that, makes it more difficult to kind of stay in a game, right? When you're tired, when you're trying to press, when you're trying to be aggressive, when you're trying to hold on, you want to have sustained periods of possession so that you can use that to get a breather. And it just looked like the first half was heading in a really bad, negative way until right on the stroke of halftime. Liverpool had a free kick, I think, um, from which they put the ball in towards the penalty area, and Arsenal breakaway with the ball. Fantastically, Gabriel Jesus playing a massive part. But again, Gabriel Martinelli, um, the guy is just so direct. The guy is just a constant thorn in your side. He's a constant problem for defenders. He's an incredibly powerful runner and he takes the ball on the outside and then he checks back in brilliantly, plays a ball into uh, the six-yard box. I don't think the pass was intended, by the way, for Bukayo Saka, But another Arsenal player steps over it. And who steps over it? Gabriel from the back. And that just shows you the willingness that this Arsenal side have to get forward and to attack and to be aggressive and to try and hurt people. Because your centre-back is in the centre-forward position from that counter-attack. And when he gets there, um, he steps over it. and Purposely, maybe not on purpose, I don't know. Uh, But it comes to Bukayo Saka at the far post, who just about turns it in. And that was the boost that we desperately needed. It was a boost that we desperately needed to kind of remind ourselves that in the past, we've been poor against Liverpool in the past. We've struggled against Liverpool in the past. There's been a huge gap between these two sides, but actually nowadays it's not so big. Nowadays we can compete. This Arsenal side is far more capable of competing than any Arsenal side uh, in recent history. And, there was a really interesting stat that I read just, just before coming on, um, which, uh, which said this. Arsenal had 46 touches inside the box versus Liverpool today. That's more than in the last five matches versus Liverpool combined. So what's been the key this season? What's been the difference? The defensive side is obviously better for the most part, but there's still errors there. There's still lapses in concentration. There's still moments where we could do better. The key point now is that we have firepower. We went to Old Trafford. Okay, we lost the game, but we created plenty of chances. Plenty of opportunities to win it. Why? Because we got creativity and we got firepower. On that day, it wasn't our day. It didn't happen. It didn't work. We played Spurs. We beat them. We scored three goals. We played Liverpool. We beat them. We scored three goals. We are now able to hurt teams. And that's something that we struggled to do in the past sometimes the defensive structure looked good sometimes we'd be able to you know hold teams off keep them at arm's length but we never really offered a threat because the focus was on the defending and we finally got that balance now whereby we can cause people problems but you know we can defend to a reasonable standard as well so that goal right on the stroke of half time i think was the decisive moment in this game really really was why because when that I was going to say full-time, when the halftime whistle went, the Emirates Stadium sort of got up and applauded. Um, You know, you could really feel the energy again. It would have zapped the energy out of a Liverpool side who had done really well to work their way back into the game and then probably get on top in a game in which they conceded a goal within just 58 seconds. So it gave us a reminder that, you know, we can compete. We can play these. But it also, I think, as I say, took the wind out of Liverpool's sails. And you could see that at the start of the uh, the second half where Arsenal were really, really good and created chances. And certainly, certainly, certainly should have put the game to bed. Now, I always defend Martin Odegaard and I will defend his overall performance again today. But there's no question in my mind that opportunity he gets at the start of the second half. He's got to convert it. He's got to do much better than that. He finds himself on the edge of the box, shifts the ball slightly left, creates a bit of space. It all opens up for him. And he just, I don't know, does he get caught in two minds? Is he trying to give the goalkeeper the eyes? I'm not sure. But he makes a right mess of it. And the ball ends up um, coming off of and comfortable save. And you're sitting there then and you're thinking, shit. Um, that's the type of chance you need to take. This is the type of chance you need in these games to put the opposition to bed. And shortly after that, not too long after that, Liverpool go down the other end Um, they get Firmino in behind and Firmino with a great strike back across Ramsdale into the far corner. He's got a real knack of scoring against us that one, hasn't he? Um, but he found the back of the net and and there it was, you're back on level terms and you're thinking, oh, but again, the stadium rallied. the fans got up, the fans began cheering the team on the fans, uh, started to, to sort of transmit that message that says it's okay. It's Okay. We're still in this. We've done well. We're playing well. We've started this half brilliantly. Do not let that derail you. And the players responded again. They responded again because the performance during that second half was as good as you could have possibly hoped for, I think. I think that um, you know, at the time when you're watching it, I always say this to you guys, you're nervous, you're shitting it, you're bricking it, you you worry about every little thing and every little detail. But what did Liverpool create? What did Aaron Ramsdale have to do in that second half? Nothing. Nothing whatsoever. Alisson was the one called into action. Liverpool were the ones having problems living with us, coping with us. Martinelli was constantly... An issue for them down that left hand side, whether it was Trent Alexander Arnold he was playing against or whether it was Joe Gomez, it didn't really matter. Neither of them will want to see Gabriel Martinelli rocking up against them anytime soon. And then we get the penalty. Was it a penalty? Big question. Was it a penalty? Yeah, I think it was. I think if you kick out like that and you don't get the ball, but you get the man, it will be a penalty. Now, Maybe in 1995, that isn't a penalty. Maybe in 2005, it's not a penalty. Maybe in 2010, it's not a penalty. But in 2022, it absolutely is. And, um, you know, I can understand why if it goes against you, you feel a little bit frustrated. You feel like maybe it's a little bit soft. But, you know, Michael Oliver was right there. He saw it. He pointed to the spot. And obviously the VAR didn't feel that that was a clear and obvious error. What I will say is that Liverpool, in my opinion, should have had a penalty as well. i certainly think Gabriel's handball um, was worthy of awarding a penalty. I think what's got him out of trouble there is that he is so close to Jota that I guess the argument would be, well, he can't really move his arm out of the way. Then we come on to that next debate of... What is a natural position? Was his arm in a natural position? I hate that because what is a natural position when you're running? What is a natural position when you're trying to jostle for a position? What is a natural position when you're trying to shape your body for a cross? Put it this way. I can understand why it wasn't given. The Gabriel one that is. I can understand why that wasn't given. I can understand why uh, Liverpool weren't awarded a spot kick. Because of the factors I've just mentioned, that it was too close that... You know, he can't really do an awful lot about it. doesn't really have time to react. But what I will say is if that was at the other end and that was against us, I'd be absolutely livid. So I'm going to give some sympathy to the Liverpool fans for that. Because, as I say, if it were the other way around, if the shoe were on the other foot, I'd have have felt really, really aggrieved. Our one was a penalty um, as well. Um, and, and we got the rub of the green in that sense, in that ours was given and theirs wasn't. But you know what? After all those years, um, you know, of, of going to Anfield, going to Old Trafford, going here, there and everywhere and rarely getting any decisions, I don't really care. You know, people always tell me, I've got a lot of friends that are obviously not Arsenal fans, uh, one in particular who, who really enjoys uh, sort of highlighting when Arsenal get a decision, that maybe is a little bit questionable in their favour. And my response is always, you're the person that says over the course of the season, they even out. You know that bullshit, that nonsense that people go on and on about? Well, then stop moaning about this one. And I've already said that I think that Liverpool were unlucky not to get a penalty. So what more do you want from me? I'm being honest about it. I think that if it was the other way around, I'd have wanted a penalty for that handball by Gabriel or for when the ball struck Gabriel's hand. Um... But you know what? We got the rub of the green. Who cares? Uh, but yeah, like that's 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 what happens. That's how it goes sometimes. And, and we got the penalty, and you know, upstep Bukayo Saka. And if you had any doubts around whether or not Bukayo Saka has gotten over that Euro trauma, uh, trauma, trauma uh, that he suffered a couple of summers ago, you know, he's, he's now scored penalties. I think against Manchester United, Chelsea, and Liverpool which tells you all you need to know. He's over it. He's passed it. He's matured. And what a great penalty it was, by the way, as well, because Allison guesses the right way, gets down pretty quickly. It's got to be right in the corner. It's got to be unsavable to deny Allison getting something on it. And that's exactly what Bukayo Saka made it. And from then on, I actually felt quite comfortable. Um, I felt quite comfortable in that we were going to go on and win the game. There was a couple of hairy moments at the end. And, you know, we had that incident with Gabriel Jesus, where he was caught by Timikas in the second half. And you knew that that was going to mean more added time. And then there was an issue during the added time. And you're looking at the clock inside the stadium and you're trying to make sense of, okay, how long have we actually played of this stoppage time so how much longer is left remember it's a minimum of five minutes they had. so you don't really know and that's the bit where you feel a little bit nervous isn't it but um i just wanted to mention as well um before we kind of head over to questions and i give you guys a couple of messages as well there was an incident that took place in the penalty area in the liverpool penalty area that drew quite a lot of attention, that us in the press box and people in the stands would have looked on it and thought, oh, I wonder what's gone on there. But obviously some words were exchanged, some words that um, sparked quite the reaction. Now, an FA spokesperson has since come out and said, we are aware of an incident that took place during the match between Arsenal and Liverpool. We are in dialogue with the match officials and we'll reveal, uh, I beg your pardon, we'll review the details of the incident. The FA are looking into an incident of an exchange of words. I've seen some rumours online that there was some racial abuse um, in the direction of Gabrielle. I don't know. I can't say that's true or it's not. Um, so I am interested uh, to see what comes of this, if that is even what the issue is all about. But remember, Michael Oliver made his way over to the side of the pitch and spoke to both Jurgen Klopp and uh, to Mikel Arteta, and then was seen giving a sort of statement uh, to the fourth official uh, just down in front of me, uh, whom was making notes about what had occurred. I guess that's probably for, um, I guess that's probably for the the report that the uh, officials are going to submit. But again, I don't know for fact what what was said there, what exactly that incident was all about. But we'll await, of course, further. Information and further detail on that. Uh, Before we continue through the conversation, let's quickly check in where we are in terms of likes because there's over 500 of you live with me now on the Chronicles of Aguna podcast live, but we've only got 111 likes on the board. Come on, we can get plenty more than that, I'm sure. Uh, Please do leave a like on the video. It really, really does help. Make sure that you're subscribed. Uh, to the channel as well if you're new Uh, that really really helps and we bring you daily Arsenal related content Um, you can find all of this content if you're watching us on YouTube in podcast format as well Um, so yeah it's it's available wherever you want it basically and um, I also want to turn your attention just quickly before we move on uh, to the fact that you could now become a Chronicles of Aguna member um, if you want to do so Uh, We'd love to have you. You'll get uh, additional content. You'll also get put into two prize draws if you're one of the first 100 to sign up. Uh, So let me just quickly show you what the proposition uh, entails. So if you head over to the website, which is in the description below, anotherslice.com forward slash chronicles of Aguna. If you use the option at the top right of the page, create an account. This is on the website, by the way, not the app. On the website, you can create an account And then you can subscribe to the Chronicles of Aguna for £6 per month. That will give you access to our premium content. It's not compulsory, but if you want a bit more uh, content and you want to go into those prize draws, you want to support me to keep delivering this podcast, but as well as that, support the Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital here in London, uh, to whom we are making a monthly donation from the membership pot, then you can do so. Once you've created the account on the website, you download the app on your phone, and you'll be able to log in with those credentials and have access to all our normal content, but our premium content as well. Uh, you can download it, listen to it offline like you can on all major podcast apps. And you'll see that we've got four bits of, uh, of premium content. Loads of you guys enjoyed the Jamal Fifield stuff. Uh, my good friend and colleague at BBC Radio London, Boreham Wood back. Um, gave us a fascinating insight into his career, but also uh, talks a lot about Arsenal because he's a big Arsenal fan as well. He's going to be joining me again on Tuesday and we're going to be dropping our next bit of members content then. So uh, yeah, if you're interested, that's what you can get for your money. Uh, You'll be supporting me, but you'll also be supporting the Children's Hospital as well. Right, going to take a very, very, and I mean very, very, a brief pause and we're going to be back to take your questions and your thoughts from the live chat for the remainder of the podcast. Listen, I've got plenty of time. I can keep going until match of the day starts. So uh, fire up, drop the questions in the chat. Be back in a moment. and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. Uh, Great to see you all in the live chat. Great to see so many of you in the live chat as well. Uh, Listen, I, I always loved doing this podcast. I always enjoyed doing this podcast. When we lose, it's therapy, but when we win, it is great, isn't it? It's brilliant. Um, right, let's uh, let's see what you guys are saying. Afsar says, moon the likes. Yes, please do. Please, please do. Uh, Shafiq says, uh, hello, great show. Good win. Although I'm concerned that we are not keeping clean sheets. A good team is built on a solid defence. I think you're right to be concerned. I, I, I do. I think what we need to get into the frame of, uh, mindset of is is enjoying the wins, enjoying the victories, but always understanding and knowing that we can be better. And I think Mikel Arteta knows that. I think Mikel Arteta will spend a lot of time looking at the negatives as well as the positives. Um, You want to keep the mood high. You want to keep the momentum going. But you also have to recognise where defensively you're not quite up to it. And we haven't been uh, as flawless as we might have been Um, defensively of of late. But we've, as I've said already, we've had that firepower to dig us out of the hole. And obviously, when you've got those options to be able to play both ways, it really, really does help. But you're right. You know, I think that Gabriel is someone who struggled a bit in the last couple of games. You know, we've talked about him before as being a little bit rash, making bad decisions from time to time. Generally, I think he brings a lot to the team, um, generally speaking. But there, there have been moments as well. He's not in a great run of form, but I'm sure he can play his way through that. And I'm sure uh, Mikel Arteta trusts in him. He gives us so much in terms of presence, physicality, power. Um, the fact that he's left footed gives us great balance as well. I don't think Arteta will drop him anytime soon, but I agree with you that he specifically is not, is not playing at his best right now, but we're still winning games, which is obviously a really, really good sign. Um But yeah, look, nobody's getting carried away. Nobody thinks we're going to win the title, not within Arsenal circles anyway. You keep hearing that. And I see a lot of uh, content creators, journalists, whatever, using that as a a narrative to try and drive clicks and to try and sort of um, spark a debate and a conversation. I don't think there is a conversation to be had about that right now. I don't think Arsenal are our title contenders. You know, do I think that with every passing week, We're moving closer and closer to being that. Yeah, maybe, but we're certainly not there today. You're certainly not going to catch me at the start of October suggesting that we're in the title race. Yeah, we're top of the pile now. It looks good. It feels good. Mikel Arteta alluded to as much in his press conference today, but he wouldn't be drawn on that either. Why? Because we all know that there are still issues with this team. We all know that there are still fragilities within the squad. There are still areas... Whereby, if we lose a key player, we're we're significantly weaker, and that's why, when I saw Gabriel Jesus go down in a heap the way he did today in that second half, and you know you got to remember from the press box, right? So he had his back to me. He's running towards the ball. He's going to retrieve a loose ball, and he just drops to the ground. You can't see the coming together. You can't work out what's happened, and then you see the players around him frantically urging the medical staff onto the field of play, and. And you're fearing the worst. And and the first thing that went to my head was, obviously, is Gabriel Jesus okay. But the second thing that came to my head was, what the hell are we going to do without him? Because the level dropped so significantly after him. And that's where this team is is a good team and is a good 11, is a good side. But beyond the starting 11, there's still work to be done. Now, that shit doesn't happen overnight. You know, this is a process we're building. It's going to take time to get to the the point where we've got the strength in depth that Liverpool have or that Manchester City have, we know that there's more that needs to be done. Um, And we know that there's still room for improvement. And it's healthy to make sure that you have room for improvement. Uh, Richie says, uh, best thing uh, about being a member is the chat box. Yes, uh, there is a Discord chat for our members. And if you've signed up on another slice, you'll be getting an email tomorrow. Uh, with some more information, some more details, and it will contain the link to the Discord server if you're not already in there. Uh let's keep going through the chat. Um, Arnie says, Do you think our fans in the stadium should use the thunderclap from the Icelandic team from Euro 2016? I'm gonna guess by your name, Arnie, that you're Icelandic. Um yeah, I, I love the thunderclap, I think it's great. Um, It's something that's used quite frequently around Europe as well. I know that Iceland fans famously did it brilliantly, but I've seen it in in other European grounds. I like stuff like that. Um, I always say this, though. Premier League atmospheres are good, but they're different to European atmospheres. They're different to, to foreign atmospheres. And I think Premier League atmospheres can be electric. Foreign atmospheres can be intimidating. And to a degree, I want it to be a little bit more intimidating than it is at times because I think that is what gets inside people's heads. And so, um, yeah, you know, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Uh, Alex says uh, Martinelli has been the best winger in the league so far this season. It's hard to disagree with that. He's scoring goals. He's creating goals. He's committing fullbacks. He's giving top, top players who have... Been there, done it, won it all. He's giving them nightmares. That's what a top player we have on our hands in Gabby Martinelli. I'm I'm thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying his performances at the moment, and I can't wait to see more. Um what else have we got? What else have we got? Uh the chat is really popping off. Um hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um Okay. Uh Riddy says, Harry, would you play Tomiyasu at left back against Leeds Away? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that look, I think for the balance of the side, I think it's better that you have a left back at left back. Is 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 the way I'm gonna put it. Simple. But um what Tomiyasu did today was was serve a very specific purpose and serve it brilliantly. He pocketed Mo Salah, in my opinion, limited him to very few opportunities, limited the amount he got on the ball, limited the influence that he had over the outcome. And that's great. And it's brilliant. But I still think that balance-wise going forward, maybe we were missing a little bit by not having a KT or a Zinchenko. So I don't think you need to be as specific in your approach against Leeds. That's not any disrespect to Leeds. I think there are certain teams, Liverpool, Tottenham, Man United, maybe, probably not at this moment in time, but Liverpool, Man City, that you look at and you think, OK, as well as imposing ourselves, as well as playing our own game, we have to make some slight tweaks and adjustments to try and curb what they're good at and to try and prevent them from getting the upper hand. And I think today was one of those days where you you think like that. I don't think Leeds away is one of those places where you're going to go into it thinking that way um, because I think there's a golfing class between the two sides. Now, that's not to say it's going to be an easy game. I've said this a million or one times. There are no easy games in the Premier League. But I don't know that I would look at Leeds and compromise my style, my philosophy from fear of what Leeds bring to the table. Obviously, you've got to be mindful of their threat and obviously you've got to try and deal with that as best as possible. As well as focusing on your own game but what the point i'm trying to make is that when you play opponents of the highest caliber and liverpool are still that despite being 10th in the league they're still that you will be more inclined to look at what you can do to stifle them as well as what you can do to impose your own game i don't think that Mikel arteta will go in to the Leeds game with that same mindset uh, let's quickly check on where we are on the likes, just 178. Let's try and get uh, 250 on the board. That would be great. Uh, Theo P says, I have a question for you, Harry. Where are you from? Do you mean in terms of ethnicity? Um, or do you mean um, where am I from in London? I live in North London at the moment. Um, my ethnicity is is Greek Cypriot. Uh, Damien says, Harry, you are a coward. Why am I a coward? Um, let me know in the chat, please. Uh, what have we got? Uh, Jared says, saw people say that Gabriel had a poor game. What's your thoughts? Thought he handled their frontline pretty well. I don't think he was at fault for any of their goals, to be honest. Uh, you you would have put this question in before I sort of had that little chat about Gabriel. So I'm not going to go into it too deeply again. Um, but it wasn't his best game. And I don't think Spurs was his best game. I've seen him play better than that is is kind of all I'd say. It's not to the point where he needs to be dropped from the side. I'm not suggesting that for a second. I don't think anyone should be at least suggesting that. But um, but yeah, you know, it, it's not been his best couple of performances. Uh, what have I got? Uh, M says, uh, Harry, with Martinelli and Vieira's stellar recent performances and even Marquinhos's emergence, do you think Arsenal will still go for a winger, a right winger in January? from what i understand from what i hear arsenal's priority in january is to bolster their midfield options that's the number one now i know a winger was quite high up the list um you know sort of in the summer we we know that arsenal wanted rafinha we know we were linked with a host of other players as well in the end we didn't get that business done Will they be looking at a winger? I'm sure they'll be keeping their eyes open and their ears close to the ground. But as I say, my understanding is that they will seek to bring in a midfielder first and foremost. You're right. You know, Marquinhos is probably developed at a quicker rate than a lot of people thought. Didn't think he was great against Bodo Glimp, by the way, but he's got more opportunities in this Europa League to show his level. Reese Nelson is back in the picture, back in the frame. Mikel Arteta has suggested in recent press conferences that he will give him another chance. Uh, so maybe it's dependent on how Marquinhos continues between now and the World Cup. And maybe it's dependent on what Reese Nelson shows as well. But as I say, from my understanding is that the priority going into January will be to add in midfield. I can't say with any degree of certainty that they'll go for a winger as well. But just based on previous evidence, we have to say that there is, um, you know, there is a chance that we we look for that. Uh, let's say a big hello to, uh, Mohammed, who says, hi, Harry, all the best. We're all happy. But the main concern for me is injuries for key players. For some, we don't have backup of the same level. We must bring in a midfielder in January in order to boost our hopes of achieving. Yep. Um, you're right. Uh, what else have we got? Big man, Andy, totally non Arsenal related question, but it says, not Prem related, but who are your favourites for Serie A? Milan, gotta be. Um, I didn't think they were at the start of the season. I'd have put it down on Inter, but. Yeah, Milan are still there for me. I'd like to see Napoli do it, but I just, I don't know if they can last the distance. Uh, What else have we got? Um, Alex says, if we're still top by the World Cup, would you consider us title challengers then? Um, No, no, uh, no, 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 no. And I'll tell you why. This is going to sound really negative and pessimistic. Being an Arsenal fan, I've been through many years where I've got my hopes up and I've ended up being traumatised. I've ended up being bitterly disappointed and I've ended up being frustrated on the basis of things that were completely outside of our, as a football club's, control. And I feel like the World Cup brings about that possibility. A World Cup slap bang in the middle of the season is unprecedented. It is a shit show, let's be honest. And my fear is that One of two things could happen. We lose momentum because of this month break. And then we find it difficult to get back into the swing of things. It makes Mikel Arteta's job so, so difficult off the back of that tournament. How does it affect individual players' mindsets? You know, what if your team goes to the latter stages and gets beaten and then you're drained and you're feeling down or you make a big mistake that costs your country? How do you then compartmentalise that without a break? and come straight back into the fray and be expected to perform for your club. And the other thing is injuries. Injuries are so unpredictable, and we keep talking about how if we suffer injuries in a couple of areas, we're quite light. I still, I want to get out of the other side of the World Cup, and then once we come back and we've had five, six games after that break, then I think I'll be in a position to assess where Arsenal are at and then start to set to start to either say the objective that we had at the start of the season, which was to finish in the top four, um, is still relevant, or if there is scope, if there is reason, if there is justification, in maybe raising that bar a little bit. But I want to wait till after uh the World Cup. Uh let's see what else we've got. Some of you are asking me about um who I'd like to see come in. We'll we'll do that another time. Like we'll we'll sort of as the transfer window approaches we'll start to um you know, we'll start to look around at targets. We'll start to break down targets. We'll start to assess their suitability. Uh, let's, you know, let's check in where we're at on the likes again. 205, not bad. Not bad. Let's try and get, though, as I say, uh, up to uh, 250 ASAP. Uh, everybody's waiting for MOTD uh, in the chat box. Um, work for work says Harry what are you going to be eating whilst watching match of the day nothing I've eaten (laughs) might have a rich tea biscuit maybe I don't know uh with a cup of tea perhaps because I've got a sore throat today whenever I do a commentary like a full game um and I'm talking away talking away talking away and then um got loads of sort of work to do afterwards I do get a sore throat I do struggle with it um so I might just make myself a hot tea of some sort sit back kick back um and, and enjoy it uh what have we got what have we got um one minstrel says the break the world cup break that is could do us good it could but it could have an adverse effect as well so that's why i don't want to say yes we should still be looking at the top four or yes we should now raise that bar and say we're going to challenge for the title Uh, What else have we got? Lots of advice on what to drink. Thank you so much. The common denominator is honey uh, among all of you. Yeah, I think I'm going to have a bit of that. Um, What else have we got? What else have we got? Uh, Leonid uh, says petition to free and from the pre contract with Chelsea. So we had Julian Laurents on the 90min show, which is going to be an absolute blast tomorrow, by the way. Tomorrow, 11am, live on the 90min YouTube channel. We'll be looking back on this game. Grizz will be on the panel as well. Looking forward to that. Uh, come and join us. But Julian LaRonz said to us that he hadn't heard that that agreement was, was as advanced with Chelsea and that there's still a lot of other interest and that Nkunku will assess his options and and then make a decision from there. And and I tend to agree with him. Why would Christopher Nkunku commit to anything? Why would he have committed to anything at that point? I think that, you know, there were reports suggesting that Chelsea had inquired, that Chelsea had made some progress with his current club, but it seems like Christopher Nkunku is going um, to leave his options open. Uh, until as late as possible. Uh, Joe says that uh, you're a great host on the 90 Min channel. Uh, keep up the good work. Thank you. I get a lot of stick actually um, for, for being the host and, and sometimes talking about Arsenal when I'm hosted uh, as if I'm supposed to just switch off my Arsenal affiliation. But yeah, uh, thank you for that, mate. Really, really uh, do appreciate it. Um, Mohammed says that Klopp was confused and surprised by the energy at the Emirates Stadium. Klopp was Like, to me, he seems strange today. Like, so I watched him in the build up to the game, literally stand just inside the Liverpool half as the two teams are warming up and and watch us like a hawk as if he was hoping to work something out that maybe he couldn't make sense of in the build up to the game. Um, I thought his body language on the touchline at times was a little bit, strange as well like he looked quite dejected at times he looked a little bit abject at times um he looked mystified by what he was seeing from his players at certain points as well um and then he came into the press conference and he started okay uh you know that you can watch i'm sure you can watch it on youtube now I'm, i'm sure someone's posted it um try haters tv i think they normally post them he uh he came in and he seemed OK. And then there was just a couple of questions that that like maybe got under his skin a little bit. Like someone asked him, I think it was Miguel Delaney said to him, something along the lines of, do you have deeper concerns now? And he was like, you know, what kind of deeper concerns? What do you mean deeper concerns? And he was asked if Liverpool competing on so many fronts last season and then ultimately missing out on the two big ones, if maybe that's had a knock-on effect and knock-on impact on why Liverpool performing the way they are this season. And again, he didn't really like that question. Um, somebody asked him why he substituting Mo Salah. And he, did, he made a bit of a joke about the, the press officer allowing one more question. He just, his face was like thunder when he walked in. And it was like thunder when he walked out. Understandably, because they got beat. But there was just a couple of little nibbles that Jurgen Klopp uh, had at those in attendance and uh yeah it means he's rattled I guess it means he's rattled. oh I'll tell you what he was rattled about he was rattled about the fact that I think the moose from Talksport uh said to him uh, <laughs> that you're always laughing and joking where's that Jurgen Klopp gone because he said I don't know what Jurgen Klopp he knew um so he made a point of saying that your colleague from Talksport, not not to me personally but to everyone in the room um yeah, so that, that suggests that he was a little bit agitated, a little bit irritated. Uh, guys, look, we'll we'll do a few more minutes. So if you've got any more questions, chuck them in the chat. Uh, just a quick check-in on the likes. Again, we're around about 25 away from our target. So please, please do um, make sure uh, that you leave a like. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. If you're new, Zed Tom says, Harry, I heard that Klopp said before coming to the Emirates next season, <laughs> he'll be playing North London forever. <laughs> love it love it out of the speakers why not why not why not um what else have we got uh another one should we be going for the league no chill out let's just win the games we got coming up let's just focus on it game by game and when we get to the business end of the season as i say after the world cup when we have a much clearer picture of how things are looking we can see where we are there we can see where we are and, and we can uh maybe readjust the objectives um or we can leave them as they are i think i'd rather leave them as they are to be honest at this stage because as i keep saying i know that we're not perfect i know that we're not flawless i know that there are a lot of things that we can improve on a lot of areas in which i think we can still be vulnerable and um yeah uh shayla uh who joins us um From Pittsburgh says, uh, everyone was talking about the Steelers game today. And I thought, dudes, the really important football game is over and Arsenal are on top. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. There was an NFL game here in London as well. Um, Green Bay Packers, I think, against the New York Jets, if I'm not mistaken. That really messed me up when I was getting down to Emirates Stadium. I got in the car to drive down, turned on the radio, remembered that that was on and then realised why there was so much traffic around um the area sort of in between tottenham and and arsenal uh richie says if you guys want great chat join the membership yes please do we'd love to have you we'd love to have you um some of you asking if i watched united i didn't i was driving back from arsenal at the time i did listen to it on the radio Um, i'm gonna catch up with all of that on the match of the day Uh, christoph says um new york giants i said new york jets didn't i goes to show how much i know about nfl zero don't know anything i know it's a really popular thing in america and i take my hat off to you guys for being so um dedicated to it but i just don't get the hype around it i just don't um i'm sorry i know that's blasphemy to some people but i just don't get it uh we ang says someone on twitter Said Partey, Xhaka, and Odegaard had four out of 10 performances. What do you think? I think that person needs to stay off the drink, uh, is what I would say to that. I thought all of them um, were good. I thought that Odegaard was probably the lowest in terms of his own individual performance uh, on the day. But as I always say with Odegaard, you still got work rate out of him, you still got commitment, Uh, you got that assist as well, a moment of quality. Didn't control the game as much as I'd have liked him to. I agree. Um, But four out of 10 is incredibly harsh. There's not an Arsenal player um, that deserves a four out of 10 rating off the back of today. Uh, Richard says, uh, Harry, have you got the same hairdresser as Arteta? No, I don't. Um, I don't. uh, I I don't think I can afford the same hairdresser as Mikel Arteta, who needed a haircut today, I thought. Normally looking very, very dapper. Just seeing it starting to grow over the ears a little bit for Mikel Arteta when he came into the press room. I don't know. I don't know. Look, um, going to leave it there. I think um, we, we, we will be back, obviously, throughout the course of the week with more Arsenal related content. We'll be bringing you another edition of the podcast tomorrow. I'll be joined by Jamal Fifield on Tuesday. Um, I'm going to be on Talk Sport 2 tomorrow from 4 till 6, which means I get to wax lyrical about Arsenal even more. I'm going to be on 90 Min, which means I get to wax lyrical about Arsenal there too. Uh, Lots and lots uh, coming your way over the next few days. Make sure you stay tuned. We've obviously got the game away to Bodo Glimt on Thursday as well. Um, We might bring you a watch along for that if you want it. Um, Let me know. Let me know what you think. Um, It's 15 minutes till match of the day, which means I've got 15 minutes to get myself inside, slip into something a little bit more comfortable, make myself a a nice warm drink and kick back and enjoy. Watching Arsenal beat Liverpool 3-2 at Emirates Stadium and catching up with the rest of the Premier League action. Uh, Don't forget, if you want to support the podcast and Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital, you can sign up by becoming a member. All the details and instructions are are in the description below we'll be back very very soon with more until next time take care enjoy your evening goodbye i'm martin tyler and you're listening to harry Simeon.